We know that in fear, each time we look at your Bible, Lord, we know we need your help. Lord, when we consider the many times that we've read your word and we just read through, I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we spend this time together this morning, you would help us to see truth, only your truth. May your spirit speak into our hearts. We might hear from you. Lord, whatever it is that we need this morning, for your wonderful grace, might you convey your message to us. Lord, I pray for your help as I speak. Help me to be faithful. Help me to see Jesus. And help each of us here to see you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I was just uh, thinking a little bit earlier as I was uh, over there and I was hearing the flute, which I, uh, I love to hear. Um, that uh, Libby was it. Libby was it. still there? She's there? I'd be really interested to see for you to tell me afterwards whether you know what I'm going to say now. So about 10 years ago, I was playing football on a Saturday morning. Most of you have heard this story, maybe you might not have. And I was playing football, I don't know, because I do each Saturday that I can. And I, uh, one of the people I've been playing with for at least 30 years is uh, a big chap, a little bit younger than me, probably 15 or 20 years. But he's quite a big chap from Bedford. And we crunched into each other head on. And I was in absolute agony. I heard a snap. And I knew what it was. I knew that the ligament just snapped in my knee. It's the kind of thing that happens if you're ever in a head on car accident in your um, knee hits the dashboard. Um, and lots of people get snap ligaments. Lots of people get snap ligaments in school. Um, I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, I was in loads and loads of pain. Um, as I got home, I knew really there wasn't anything I could do about it. It was just a, a year of recovery that was needed, of doing pretty well nothing. Saturday night, I was in absolute agony. Sunday morning I woke up and decided I was still going to go to church. So, as usual, at church, um, Somehow, um, car right up to the front door, hobbled in really badly. Somebody strangely had a spare crutch at church, which they gave me. That was a bit of help. But I hobbled in some way I normally did at the front, with my leg up on a chair. And Louis's dad was leading the service that day. And so he came across, had a chat, what's going on here, what's happening, and so on. And then in the service, which prayed for me, and he prayed that I would be healed. Absolutely nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. Hold out in agony with the crutch, um, back home, Sunday night, no sleep at all, got to go to the doctors, I know they can't do anything, but I've got to go to the doctors. Couldn't get in the car, eventually got in the car, couldn't get out of the car, eventually got out of the car, wasted the doctor's surgery, um, pulled in, hobbled in, um, got onto the 
um, the dad and the doctor examined me. By this time, I'd already gone to work, said, I don't know when I'm going to be back in work. Um, I won't be able to drive, no idea when I'll be back in. The doctor examined me, couldn't find anything wrong at all. I got up off the bed, walked out, got in my car, drove to work, and carried on, and started playing football again. I still don't know why he didn't turn me straight away. <laughs> when really but he did me. Absolutely incredible. I can, there is no other conclusion I can come to. Nothing else makes sense. I heard the snap. I knew the damage there had been done. All the symptoms were back. Someone prayed, and God decided to act, and I was here. Well, I've recounted that quite a few times over the years. And there's always an interest in what's happened. But it's not changed anybody's life. It feels as if it should. Something amazing happened, and yet nothing changes. Well, in our passage today, We'll see, as we always do, how everything Jesus does is absolutely deliberate and has a purpose. How relevant it is, 2,000 years on from when this miracle was performed, relevant for us here today. We see Jesus going to a place where there were a great number of disabled people, where a great number of disabled people used to live. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. <coughs> and yet Jesus only healed one. His purpose from the very beginning was clear. It wasn't his time to heal everybody in that place, but it was his purpose to heal one man that day. So let's have a look at uh, chapter 5 together. What was his purpose? So we read down verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Um, Jesus went up to Jerusalem quite a number of times for the Jewish festivals. I don't know which way one it was here. The Bible doesn't make it clear. Um, we don't know it's the Passover, but he went up. And that was the case. If you were a Jew and you were apparently within 16 miles, don't ask me why 16 miles, but um, of Jerusalem, you would make, you would try everything that you could to be in Jerusalem to the festival. Um, Jesus went up just as others did. He'd actually come from Galilee before. Um, for those of us that were here last time we looked at John, you'll remember that uh, he healed a rural official's son. So now, um, now they're in, this is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, which in Aramaic means Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. So that's where he was. He came up to Jerusalem, and actually he was at a place just near the Sheep Gate um, called Bethsaida. Right, what's all this about? Well, this is my only bit of history lesson when I've closed Zoom. So there you go. Um, the site where the pools 
spoken about almost certainly exists today. Looks like a bit of a piece of stones to me, but um, this area down the, uh, the bottom here was where the uh, pool itself was. It's actually found under a church. But um, before Jesus' time, um, this uh, particular pool was near the sheep gate. What do you think it was used for? Clean the sheep. And so the pool itself was um, previously where they brought the sheep um, to be cleaned before they were sacrificed in the temple. So that was what was happening there. But actually there were two pools, and they were covered by five colonnades. Well, just for interest, because I didn't know. Five colonnades, it's basically two pools, and um, colonnades is um, a walkway to the pillars on one side where which would go on the water side and cover presumably from the wind on the other side. But uh, three three round and one that goes across the boats. So there you go, there's your your five colonnades. You work like that. It was to see it. There are five colonnades there, five walkways. And uh, in the time one pool was used actually for the sheep and the other one was used for um, people. So that's the scene. That's where Jesus is. He's come up to Jerusalem for the festival and uh, he is at um, Bethsaida, where there is this pool. So the area of the uh, pools of Bethsaida um, had always been a source of water. Um, it's where the shepherds have brought the sheep. Um, they built a dam, which is where that middle walkway is between the two um, pools. And uh, basically, the uh, the dam was there to try and improve the uh, water quality. There you go. Yes. Just to show you, that's that. I doubt if it looked as good as that. That's uh, sort of that today, where we still have pools that people go and believe that they have healing properties. So nothing changes, does it? Right, verse three. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Have you noticed what comes after verse 3 in your Bible? That's positive, isn't it? Well, obvious, Mark, it's verse 4. Have you got verse 4? Put your hand up if you've got verse 4. You have. A couple of people have got one, but most people haven't got verse 4. Somebody says the number 4, then it's the only text after that. I'm sure there is in one or two Bibles there. So, I don't really prefer to pass over this, but you know the great thing about Rich is he doesn't pass over things. Where's first four? Why isn't it there? Um, Rich systematically preaches through God's Word, and that's good today. Well, for one thing, verses and chapters, they're ever so powerful, aren't they? Did you know what? They weren't there when the scriptures were written. They were put in by some helpful person so we could find things in our Bible. Actually, they're probably about one of the most unhelpful things we have. Because we tend to stop at verses and we stop at chapters when so often we shouldn't do in order to really understand what God wants to say. But they're pretty useful finding things. But verse 4, did it just get missed out? No. Lots of Bibles have it. So, 
want to know what verse 4 says. So, here a great number of disabled people used the light of blame, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance will be cured of whatever disease they have. So we'll spend the rest of the service on this verse. No, we won't. What is it in the New International Version? It is in lots of other Bibles. Um, but there's lots of reasons why it's not included. Firstly, um, since the Bibles like the King James were written, um, much, much older manuscripts have been found. And in much older manuscripts, much other, the older versions of the Bible, this verse wasn't there. That's true of what we find with other verses that uh, are either missed out or added as subtext in the Bible. So it wasn't there. Why wasn't it there? Because it wasn't. It wasn't written. What happened at that time was um, as people did translations, quite often they wrote little text in the margin. So it could be that it got added into texts like the King James because it was some of those margin texts. Somebody adding some thoughts as to why it might be there. Could be. I don't know. But why isn't it there? Why isn't it included in our Bibles today? It's stuff being found in some ancient texts. Well, the language is completely different to the rest of the text. It's not the same. So the Greek is different. There are multiple words in that verse that are just out of character. They don't fit. So, as people have looked to translate God's word today, they've realised that this verse just doesn't seem to fit. It's somebody's ideas of what was going on, but actually it's not part of the passage that we read today. You might want to go away and look at that. You might want to look at lots of other texts in the Bible that follow a similar pattern. They don't appear today. There are good reasons for them. Those that have translated our modern versions, they've had the, the wonderful findings of very many ancient manuscripts that allow us to have real trust in God's word today. And you know what? Even if that strange verse actually probably would take the rest of the time for me to um, speak about was included, it wouldn't really change our understanding of the gospel. But it is quite a strange verse. I'm not going to explain it. Verse 5, much better place to do. Solid ground. Um, what was there, we're told, and where Jesus had gone, was an invalid for 38 years. Um, this implies that he almost certainly hadn't always been an invalid. So something must have happened to him at some stage. Jesus said that um, he had had this condition a long time. How do you feel when you become unwell? Actually, then the way you can see this is a, a testimony done. Just came right the lump. It appeared about two or three weeks ago. 
Isn't it strange when something like that happens, how things can affect you? Isn't it strange? And yet, quite often, you get all sorts of things like that. You learn to live with them, and time goes on. Imagine this man, he'd been an invalid for 38 years, and it seems as if he'd learned to live with it. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And that would be my question to every one of us this morning. Do you want to get well? Jesus knew all about this man. He knew his condition, his illness, his sins, his state in front of a holy God. And he knows all about you and all about me. You may have been going to church all your life. You may have heard the gospel preached here in this church or elsewhere. You know that you're a sinner. You know that you need a saviour. If you're going to be a child of God. And you know that there's a great hope waiting for you, eternal life, that can only be found through following Christ. But ask again, do you want to get well? Well, Hebrews said, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water's stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. You notice he gives a defensive answer. 38 years he's been there. 38 years. He makes really an excuse for 38 years of doing nothing. Could it really have been that 38 years and no one was ever there getting down into the water? I think he's happy with his life. He's content. He's got content with his situation and circumstance. After all, if he's been in this state for 38 years and imagine there's no welfare state, there's nobody paying him money because he's new believed to allow him to live. Thank God that that's not true for us today. We do have people that are taking care of food um, and taxes and so on. But Somehow this man had survived. And probably he was surviving quite well. I wonder, what kind of excuses do we make? Does Jesus say to us, do you want to get well? And actually we just make excuses. Are you happy as coming to church on a Sunday? Perhaps you come to your church on a Sunday morning, somehow it feels good enough to be a Christian. Are we too comfortable with daily living? Perhaps even allowing others to look after us. Has life become easy? The man appears to be in a routine, coming to the pool day after day, and presumably others must be providing for his needs. After all, you would assume he's nowhere to make a living. What did Jesus say? Amazing. Amazing. Jesus said to him in verse 8, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And even more incredible, I can't tell you why this didn't happen to me, even more incredible, and at once, at once, at that very moment, 
the man was jailed. And he picked up his mat and walked. How amazing is that? That's Jesus. That's our God. That's what he can do. The humans like some others in uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 5, says, When Jesus saw their faith, this was the men carrying a paralyzed man, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. The man believes in Jesus, and he receives forgiveness of sins. But in this miracle, it's different. Did you notice what actually happened here? In this miracle, did anything else happen other than the man was healed? Did the man have to do something to be cured? Actually, yes. But really, all he did was stood up. He didn't really have to do anything at all. He was cured immediately. He did stand up. But there is nothing, nothing in this passage, surprisingly for men, to say that he repented, that he had faith in God. In fact, we conclude quite the opposite. That's sad. Quite the opposite. It's Jesus. He's healed him. He's been cured immediately after 38 years. But we learn in verse 13 that he had no idea who Jesus was. No idea. It's not like the others that were crying out for Jesus to come and touch them. In this case, he had no idea who Jesus was. He seems like blind faith. Jesus said, get up and walk to the news, but he lost care and able to get up and walk. What opportunity missed for this man. He could have been really healed. A healing that would have been eternal and changed his whole life and his whole outlook. Look, Jesus said, you want to be well. But this healing is only physical. It's so sad, actually, it's so sad that he saw Jesus, and yet his life wasn't really transformed. Well, Jesus telling him to pick up his mat seems a very deliberate action. Telling him to, uh, sorry, Jesus telling him to pick up his mat seems a very deliberate addition to telling him to get up. So it wasn't just get up, pick up your mat as well. Where did that lead him? Well, it's clear Jesus knew where this encounter with the man was going to lead. Where's your encounter with Jesus leading you this morning? Well, verse 9 and 10, the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It's a Sabbath. The Lord forbids you to pick up your mat. Here's the focus. Our focus is easily on the man being healed, but no repentance, no turning to God, no even understanding who Jesus was. The focus seems to be the Bible actually never speaks, never speaks of not carrying your mat. As close as I can get for you is Jeremiah 17, 
Um, verse 19, I'll read a few verses for you. This is what the Lord said to them. Go and stand at the gate of the people through which the kings of Judah go in and out. Stand also at the other gates of Jerusalem. Say to them, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah, and all people of Judah, and everyone living in Jerusalem who come through these gates. This is what the Lord says. Be careful not to carry a load on the Sabbath day or bring it through the gates of Jerusalem. Do not bring a load out of your houses and do any work on the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I have commanded your ancestors. And he goes on to say, but if you do not obey me, if you do not obey me to keep the Sabbath day holy by not carrying any load as you come through the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem that will consume their fortresses. That alone, I don't say. I don't think that was the point. But it's just one of those examples where God shows us how the eyes of people are blinded. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the Jewish leaders, they added to God's word. And in this case, their focus was on the Sabbath being broken because a man had carried a man. What did Jesus do? He healed the man. And he told him to pick up his mat and carry it. So what did the man say to the Jewish leaders? Verse 11. He replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Right? Then what happened? Verse 12. So they asked him, the Jewish leaders, this is, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? Doesn't it strike you as unbelievably sad again and hot that the Jewish leaders, those people who should really know the Holy Scriptures of that time, their focus was not on this amazing miracle, this amazing man, God, Jesus, that healed this man, but it was actually the man who carried the man. And they consider that to be breaking their Sabbath law. Well, brothers and sisters, do we sometimes not see the big picture? Do we get lost in detail and not really see what God wants to say to us in our lives? I don't know. I'm sure I'm guilty of it. The Jewish leaders can't see the man who heals or what he's offering. All they can see is that in their view, our Lord has been broken. Do they want to get well? No. Quite the opposite. They want to deal with the man who is holding this. They want to deal with the man, Jesus, who is holding their laws to contempt. Laws in contempt. They're not interested in the man who broke the laws to carry his back. But they're already plotting against the very person who can heal them. And in fact, in verse 16, we begin with, it says, So Jesus, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. So just the law that they'd made up themselves, 
This man had broken it. Jesus had told him to do it. And the result is persecution of Jesus. Persecution that led all the way to the cross and all the way to our salvation. Verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who it was. Jesus slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus stand at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Jesus wanted the man who healed to know who he was. And Jesus would have known as he told the man that he was going to tell, tell the Jewish leaders. Jesus healed us, and yet there's no sign of him repenting or coming to know who Jesus was, the Saviour and Lord and God. Some had asked him why. Jesus' purpose start a long and terrible run to a cross for you and me to die for each one of us. He would have known that that persecution led that persecution would have led to crucifixion. Jesus gave the man yet another chance. He told him who he was. And warns the man that he must repent of his sins. How many chances does God give us? How many times does he speak to us? How many times does he tell us to repent? We have a God that is full of grace. He gives us every opportunity to repent of our sins. And thankfully, so many of us have seized that opportunity and know what it is to have a Saviour in Jesus Christ. And yet, whether we're repenting for the first time or for the thousandth time, we need a Saviour in Jesus Christ, our Lord, every one of us. We need to turn from our sins and believe in Him and know that our sins are forgiven. We look at the man, the man who was made well, well, he just seemed to become happy with his life, despite his misery, living off others. Did you notice how easily he blames other people? He does what he's told, got up. But his life hadn't really changed at all as a result of being healed. And he puts the interests of the leaders ahead of Jesus is it's them that he wants to tell. For the leaders, well, they were just interested in their laws, their Sabbath laws, not God's Sabbath laws, but their Sabbath laws from being carried out. They weren't interested in the healing, or even more importantly, they weren't interested in the healing of Jesus. They were blinded to the miraculous. But what is our response to Jesus? What is your response to Jesus? 
one demand he seems to be only looking after his own interests. But there's obviously no repentance. He doesn't thank God. He doesn't follow Jesus. He turns to life as if nothing's happened. Like leaders looking for fault rather than seeing God. Threatened by rule breaking more than a miracle. Looking for an opportunity to pull Jesus down. What is our response this morning? Well, if you're caught up in sin, whether you're a brother and sister in Christ, or whether you're young oh. and giving your life to Jesus, repent now. Repent now and turn to the only true healer, Jesus. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Lord, we come to you. Lord, whenever we think of you as the Holy God, just realise that we're nothing. And Lord, when we consider the way that we live, so often making the same mistakes time and time again, letting you down. <coughs> Lord, we become saved. Lord, we want to be well with you. Lord, help us to lay our lives before you now. Lord, that we might truly have repented of our sins. That we might believe that you are God, Saviour, Lord. And Lord, that we might live for you. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, may you help us, each one of us, to live our lives in accordance with your love, bringing glory to you in the way that we live. Have mercy on us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Together, as the musicians come up and lead us. And I've got Richie's problem from a few weeks ago.